Hi, this is Judy with this week's blog post, which is actually going to be a podcast this time. Um, good thing about podcasts is that if you're um, a mom and you don't have a lot of time to read or to watch a video podcast, you can just pop your earphones on, listen, put on your iPhone and listen to the podcast while you're nursing your baby or cooking or whatever. Anyway, so we thought we'd give it a try and see how it works for you. And I am being interviewed by Anthony Santa, who is my magical, mystical marketing guy, um, who helps me with all the technical stuff and getting the blogs out and the emails out. And he's also a radio host, so he's experienced in interviewing. So he's going to interview me today. Yeah, something about being on the radio is actually a kind of fun. So I thought I'd encourage Judy to sit down in front of a whole bunch of microphones and wires here today to see what we could do to uh, get some ideas of hers um, in a different form. And that is uh, as a podcast instead of video or just plain old writing. And Judy has a lot of great ideas that uh, she has been sharing with me over the past few years. <laughs> Let's see if we can get Judy to talk to us about uh, an experience she had uh, last week. Um, you actually spoke about I guess it was sleep or that sort of mm -hmm, thing, was it? Mm -hmm. Well, I got invited to speak to a group of moms out in the Silcan Valley. Local people would know where that is. It's a pretty rural area where moms can be quite isolated. And um, they asked me to come and talk about sleep, which is like the most hot button topic for moms ever. And uh, I said, sure, I love talking about sleep. So um, out I went. And as most moms are aware out there, they might be even be listening to this at a point when they actually can't sleep. Right. Um, what is it about sleep and being a mom that's so um, challenging, difficult? I think most of the, the probably the most challenging thing is um, you don't. <laughs> like, um, you know, you do wake up many, many, many times a night um, to take care of a baby and it's not like taking care of a kitten or a dog, which is in itself challenging. You're taking care of this little being that you care about and love more than anything you could possibly imagine. And you've just been through a pregnancy. You've been through a birth. You're exhausted to start with. You have all these hormones raging, which get, make your feelings that much more intense. And you are waking up every hour or two hours a night, if you're lucky, every three hours. Um, so you you kind of work walking around pretty spaced out <laughs> and tired and exhausted. And there's so many books written about it and there's so many websites about it and there's so many quote sleep trainers. There's so many people telling people what should be happening with their infant sleep. And the reality is you never know what's going to happen with your infant sleep, but we, we do know that infants are supposed to, babies are supposed to wake up many times during the night and be fed many times during the night. And there's so much information out there telling people that that's not right. Part of the uh, the idea that you shared with me about sleeping or not sleeping as a new mom was how moms aren't even aware that this is actually going to happen. No, they they aren't aware. I mean, the, you read about it, and you know they say, "Oh, your baby will need to feed every hour to two hours," and you go, "Yeah, okay, fine." And then you're like, "Oh my god, I've just been asleep for an hour and I'm up," and "Oh my god, I've just been asleep for an hour and a half and I'm up." Oh, isn't it? Oh, in fact, a baby is taking three hours to feed this time. So it's there's nothing that can actually prepare you for it. You, you can't be prepared a for the waking up, and you can't be pre prepared for all the feelings that you're having at the same time. It's such a huge, enormous adjustment. Can you talk a bit more about that? You say the feelings. Feelings of just extraordinary love. I mean, you, you, nobody can imagine the depth of the love that you feel for a baby. It's beyond any experience you will ever have. You also can't um, really imagine the feelings of overwhelm. And most moms, most parents feel completely overwhelmed by the arrival of a new baby. And they have all these dreams about, oh, we're just going to like fit the baby into our life and go on. It's like, it really doesn't happen like that. And it's, it's a huge shock. And, and the sleep in some ways is 
becomes the focal point for many people um, because they are waking up many times a night and it's it's so different than what they're used to. You said you presented this idea to a group here locally. Yeah. What were the kind of questions that people were asking you about sleep? The way I actually started out was with just asking them what their sleep experiences were. Okay. And and the reason I did that is that one of the things that's so helpful from it was all no there was one dad there there was one dad there what, what, the thing that's most helpful for parents is hearing what other people are going through, and you know as we kind of went around the room. And different people talked about what their baby's sleep pattern or non-pattern was. It was like, oh, 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 your baby does. Oh, you're up all night. Oh, your baby's doing that. And you're trying to do that. And there's just this, this sense of comradeship, I think, was really big and a sense of um, normalcy. So moms felt kind of um, relieved at the fact that other people were having the same kind of crappy sleep experience? Yes, yeah, hugely relieved. And, you know, one of the things I talk about a lot is that if you – if you can really internalize the fact that this is normal, it's it's correct, it's what's supposed to happen. Like babies have these teeny tiny little stomachs and they're meant to feed throughout the night. They also, when they wake a lot during the night, it also means they don't go into a super deep sleep, which is what you actually want. If they go into too deep a sleep, it's harder for them to arouse themselves. And that's the point where you can get into real danger with a baby. So like nature designed them to wake frequently and have their all their neurological systems and their breathing and their all those kinds of things awakened throughout the night to kind of keep them going because they're pretty fragile at the beginning. Um, in some ways, they're really tough, but in other ways, they're really fragile. So the fact that they're designed yes. uh, to be uh, woken a lot, does that sort of speak against uh, the idea of sleep training and sort of other programs that would actually dictate how a child should sleep? Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, there's uh, sleep training is a whole big enormous issue, which I have very not not even strong feelings about. But there's a lot of research to support that that sleep training is really not healthy for babies. And um, you know, you do get there was a there used to be a program called Babywise, which I know is still out there and supported by a lot of people, where they they encourage you to train um, babies to sleep and to go on your schedule rather than their schedule and. It's actually, you know, finally the American Pediatric Association came out against this training because they actually found that there was failure to thrive with babies who were following that schedule and had a lot of really detrimental effects. And um, so I think accepting the fact of what normal sleep is for babies and has been for, since the beginning of time, and also for people to remember that we didn't used to have watches and clocks and people didn't go, oh no, it's only two hours because they didn't know what an hour was. And um, they just kind of went with what was. But now we have clocks and we have, you know, people watch the clock and they say, oh, no, it's only been an hour. I'm so tired. Oh, it's only been two hours. I'm so tired. And I remember being told myself, like, turn the clock around and don't watch. You may have just had three hours of sleep or you may have had three minutes of sleep. But if you don't know, it really impacts you psychologically. Well, I can imagine that that would be a, a significant uh, shift. That's a, that's a real mind shift for me. It's a very big mind shift for people. But when they actually do it, if they actually have the, the courage to not check their phone or their clock or whatever, it actually works. It's a very interesting psychological thing. So you talk about the need by design to sort of be in a light state of sleep and always be waking and that mm -hmm. sort of thing. Mm -hmm. And obviously there's some sort of connection to that to breastfeeding. Can, mm -hmm. you, can you mention what that is? Yeah, well, that's basically babies were meant to breastfeed biologically. They're meant to be close to their moms. They're meant to be close to be fed frequently throughout the night, which is 
more difficult to do if you're bottle feeding because you have to get up and you have to make the formula and you have to mix it and you have to sit up and get wide awake and all that. And again, I don't want to be putting down formula. I know it, breastfeeding doesn't work for everybody. Um, but in terms of natural design, um, that's the way the relationship is supposed to be. Um, and there's also a lot of research saying that the, the, the mothers who get the most sleep of all, and there's, there's so much great research coming out about this now, are actually the mothers who co-sleep and breastfeed. Um, hmm. And they get more sleep than people who are separated from their babies. Um, just they've actually added up the actual hours and minutes of sleep per mom. And that, that those are the people who get the most sleep. Even though they may be woken up more, they go back to sleep really quickly. Hmm. And the idea of breastfeeding being something that's, um, I mean, obviously it's good for the baby. Mm -hmm. It sounds like it's good for the mom. I mean, does, mm -hmm. is, does breastfeeding actually help a mom sleep better? It does. I mean, there's all these, uh, you have your oxytocin going and all these hormones come get um, activated, prolactin, all these, these uh, hormones get activated when you're breastfeeding, which actually calm you and relax you. And if you ever, if you know, and you look at a mom breastfeeding her baby, she suddenly gets this kind of spaced out look because all the hormones are, are starting to activate them and she just calms down and helps her stress levels. And it's, it's a pretty brilliant design, you know, and it's also like those, it also has the same effect on the baby and it helps babies to go back to sleep. Um, so it's a, it's a very brilliant little design. If you're, if you can get, if you can get to, to a place of acceptance with it, you know, and that's, that's a real challenge for people. Acceptance of? Of the baby's normal sleep wake cycle. And the fact that they do need to be fed throughout the night and that it's, it's normal and there's nothing wrong with it. And you're not, you're not creating sleep problems by doing what babies are supposed to do. Um, you know, when I, when I look at a lot of the websites that do sleep training and it's like, you know, the sleep fixer and I mean, they have all these different names, you know, that changing your baby's sleep problems. Like these are not problems. Like it's sort of saying, I will train you to not be hungry anymore. It's like being hungry is not a problem, right? It's like, Baby's waking is not a problem. It's normal, um, but we have problemized it and in some ways pathologized normal sleep patterns for babies, which makes moms feel really bad about themselves and dads feel bad about themselves and they feel they're doing something wrong. Or I've heard people say, I think I've created a monster. Well, you haven't created a monster. You've been responding to what's normal for your baby. You've been response, just being responsive to your baby. And that's how you create really solid loving people, not monsters. Mm. And it sounds like the um, uh, the problem focus is more about uh, mom and mom's ignorance of what actually um, is a healthy thing for uh, the baby and for her. Yeah, yeah. And I, I, I won't even call it ignorance. I think it's just there's so many conflicting um, points of view on it. And, and they're pretty heavy duty. And there's a whole series of books called um, What to Expect when you're expecting, what to expect the first year. And they characterize the baby, a baby as manipulative and trying to control you. And when you have that perspective, you go, I'm not going to let this baby control me. I'm not going to be manipulated by this little, this little being. And what I often say to people, has your baby found his hands yet? Uh, no. Oh, but he knows how to manipulate you. Uh, right. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's like, <laughs> that's really kind of silly. Yeah. It's really kind of silly. And I don't think the baby is manipulative. It's just doing what it knows how to do. Exactly. Um, and mom just needs to know how to um, uh, understand what's actually being given as a, as a message. Yeah. And to feel, you know, intuitively, most moms want to respond to their babies. And it's let, other voices that come into yeah, their I'll, heads. Let me, let me stop you there. Okay. If, if there's... Um, 
if there's some kind of uh, difficulty or challenge that a mom is having in breastfeeding, mm-hmm. you know, either because her mom tells her that that's not a right thing to do mm-hmm. or something that her friends have told her or some sort of physical thing or mm-hmm. some sort of emotional thing. I mean, how does how does a mom deal with the idea of uh, breastfeeding um, and getting a decent night's sleep and her baby being taken care of if they can't breastfeed that well? I think it's still the same situation. It's just a matter, I mean, a, a, a formula-fed baby will generally sleep longer than a breastfed baby because it digests, the formula digests more slowly, but the baby's still going to wake up and you still have the same issues. And maybe you don't have your, your hormones going and helping you with this, but you certainly have, I mean, your breastfeeding hormones, but you certainly have your mothering hormones going and your mothering feelings going. And it's still, no matter what, you still want to respond to your baby's needs. And it's, you know, it can sometimes be easier not to if you're formula feeding. Um, but, you know, I've known lots of moms who formula fed who are super responsive to their babies. Um, you know, it's just, it's still for any mother or father. It's that getting in touch with, with your own feelings of love and affection for your baby and being okay with them and following, following those feelings. So it's almost like mom needs to trust herself. Absolutely. I mean, that, that was one of the things that, you know, that really came out in the group. And, you know, for me, I find that to almost be my most important role that I have, you know, even when I'm helping a mom with breastfeeding or a mom who just can't breastfeeding, it's still finding that place in yourself where you really believe in yourself and trust yourself and not be swayed by tons and tons of information. I even say to mom, like, you don't have to listen to me. I'm just another voice. What you need to listen to is what's going on inside of you, what's happening in your heart, not necessarily in your head. But what's going on in your heart? Because your head is probably filled with so many different conflicting opinions and ideas. And so many times people come into the store and they say, I just read on the internet that da 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 And sometimes I go, really? <laughs> it's like, whoa, that's really out to lunch. Um, but they believe it, you know, because they don't know what to believe, you know. And and I think, it, you know, the, the best that I could ever do for somebody is say, what are you really feeling inside of you? Like what's really going on in the, and on a heart level and not on those voices that tell you you're inadequate or you're stupid or you're doing the wrong thing. Like just not to listen to those voices, but listen to like what feels right. And when your baby's screaming and you're inside, you're in, you're in knots because your baby's screaming, that's because you're supposed to take care of your baby. And if you're not because your baby's screaming and you hear this voice saying, no, your baby needs to learn to self-soothe or no, you're creating a monster by responding to your baby. Don't listen to those voices. Listen to that your heart, which is breaking because your baby is suffering. That's a pretty clear indication that you should be doing something almost counterintuitive to all the intelligence or all the all the ideas that you have, uh, but instead really tune into, I guess, the... Uh, the mommy radar or the mommy. Absolutely. And yeah. it's, it's really hard. And, and I have to say that was not something that came easily for me because I had an academic background in child development hmm. and early childhood education. And I had a million theories going on in my head. Um, some of which said, if you respond too much to a baby, you are training them to always be calling you all the time. And it was a behaviorist approach. I mean, there were all kinds of different things. So I was so conflicted so conflicted about what I was going to, how I was going to respond to my baby, even though really in my heart, I knew what I was supposed to do. But in my head, you know, I had a huge body of knowledge in my head about child development, which was very, very much in in contrast to what I was actually feeling. And for me, it was like calling up the Leche League leaders anonymously, because I was too embarrassed to let them know it was me. And they just kept saying to me, listen to your baby, listen to your heart, listen to your baby, listen to your heart. Um, that took a long time for me to get there. And I, I, I realized that it is a very, very difficult process for moms. And that's pretty much the, uh, the basis of your 
if I could say the coaching or the, the care and concern that you have for moms is for them to actually tune into what they know intuitively is right. Absolutely. Hmm. Absolutely. And, and I think most moms do. I think, you know, a lot of us are really shut down by our own child rearing and we weren't raised particularly lovingly and responsibly. So, you know, we, 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 in some ways we default to the way we were parented and it's just learning to go, is that really what I want to do with my baby? You know, or do I want to do this differently? Hmm. It'll be interesting to see as we go further along with this whole idea of uh, podcasting where the conversation will go. Mm-hmm. It'd be nice to uh, get some actual mom voices on the right. That would be great. Uh, out here yeah. to, uh, to question and to engage with you directly about uh, these sorts of uh, ideas mm-hmm. and challenge all that stuff that they learned via Dr. Google. Right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, is there anything more that you wanted to say about, um, I guess, the experience you had last week dealing with moms and sleep? Um, it was just wonderful. And, and I love I, I love just watching the process of moms listening to each other and being affirmed in themselves and feeling really good about themselves and, and feeling comfortable just loving their babies. It's exciting to see you be so excited about this whole thing. I love it. Yeah. yeah. We've got a bit of uh, an insight to you around how it is you support moms and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. What is it that you want to see next? Or what is it that you think we could do next with this whole idea of, uh, of podcasting? Is that putting you on the spot? To ask uh, yes, it is. Yeah. I know there are a lot of different topics and we can have topics on it. I would really, I think it'd be great if, if people would just you know, write in or email or whatever and say, hey, can you talk about this, that, or the other thing? Mm-hmm. It'd be really helpful. Hey, Judy, I got this question. Yeah, exactly. There you go. It'll I be- mean, I have written blog posts, a lot of blog posts actually based on people's requests for information about specific things. So I think it would be really fun. Well, do that with the podcast too. You're never at a loss for uh, blog post ideas. Yeah. There's always some <laughs> kind of experience or some kind of thing that sort of, you know, comes onto your Something radar. Something always happens every week. Yeah. That, so, some, that, that starts a blog post going in my head. I think we're done. Okay. Yeah. Thanks. It's been good to talk to you today and uh, we'll see you next time. Okay. Thanks, Judy. Bye-bye.